AM790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. And good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island, the newest one-hour talk show and entertainment program on AM790, your station for talk and business. Uh, we are here. It's our second Wednesday, and I'm sitting here with Barnaby Evans, the artistic director and creator of Water Fire. And we've got a really great show for you today. Um, we'll be talking to a state trooper named Chris Kosha. Uh, he's a Massachusetts state trooper whose online tribute earlier this year to his canine partner became an international sensation. Um, and I actually had the uh, privilege uh, and pleasure to meet him and his family and do something really special at Water Fire for um for his dog, Dante, his partner. Um, we also have Michael Grando, who many of you, I'm pretty sure, have seen. The mime, the phantom boatman that makes his way through water fire on the river and tosses carnations looking for his true love to people that are sitting along the riverbanks. And then finally, I'm really excited uh, to talk about uh, this. We've got Brian Mertes, who is the... Uh, director of Trinity Repertory's latest hit, A Lie of the Mind, which is a, a very intense and uh, incredible um, play by Sam Shepard, which I, I know, Barnaby, you're very familiar with that as well, right? I am. I had the great uh, pleasure of seeing it uh, last week, and I recommend it highly. Wonderful, wonderful production. Yeah, so, well, one, we just had a water fire last weekend, um, so in our first show last week, I know that we premiered a lot of the different things that were happening, so our Gatsby Day event, that went well. Yeah, this is an event, this is the third year we've done it, where we're celebrating June 9th, 1772, and the Saturday that all the powers that be thought we'd celebrate was last Saturday, and we do a reenactment of the debate, and it was well attended, and people really seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, and it was it was a great night was weather-wise, wasn't it? It, it? it just seemed like it, there was just really calm, beautiful energy, which I, I think... That's what I love about water fire. But there was also some fun things happening, which a lot of people I don't think realize that we do these things at water fire. But we had a very successful engagement that happened in Starry Starry Night. We had a couple that uh, made a proposal there with a series of haikus that they had written, all lit by candles. It was a a beautiful moment. It worked very well. Yeah, and I think for people who aren't aware, um, if you haven't been down to Water Fire in a while, or if when you go down, you stay mostly in that area in the basin, which is right near Water Place Park and Ruth's Chris Chris, um, Steakhouse. At the other end of the installation, we have Memorial Park. And in Memorial Park, at every Water Fire, we actually have this beautiful installation that Barnaby dreamed up that's interactive um, and People go and they make wishes upon stars and they hang them in this, all in the trees there. And then they actually light ca- these candle lanterns, right? Yeah, we light the, can- the candle luminaria. They're very, very beautiful and there are hundreds of them out there. It's right by the World War II memorial where people can make a dedication in honor of someone. And it lights that entire area of the World War II memorial with candlelight. Nice. Very so, beautiful place. So were you able to see the engagement? Did I didn't. I, well, I saw the, the setup, and I saw people waiting for their guests. Um, and then I, by the time they arrived, often people want to do these as surprises. And we don't necessarily know the exact time they're going to happen. But I heard from people there and, and uh, got a standing ovation from everyone who was around. Well, you know, I do know um, a few years back, and I think it was maybe in 2000. You've done a few proposals over the years, but what what was your favorite? Didn't you have one where you did something with gargoyles? We did do a fun one where um, 
the gentleman had wanted to have the gargoyle uh, um, sort of catch her attention, and we had a, a message that uh, the gargoyle was going to give to her, but what we neither of us knew was that she was terrified of the gargoyle, so she was very nervous about getting in line to... Uh, in front of the gargoyles. To so. get the message, will you marry me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, he may, he asked that himself, but uh, first there was sort of a set-up little message, and uh, we finally convinced her to get uh, within reaching distance of the gargoyle, and he gave her the message, which uh, meant something very special to her, and then the gentleman kneeled down and proposed to her right there in front of the gargoyles, so the gargoyles celebrated in their silent and stone-faced way. And uh, we rushed them off uh, for a special trip uh, down one of our guest boats. And on the way, they went right by the mayor. And I said, oh, mayor, would you like to welcome these two people to Providence? They just made propose to each other. So that so, was fun. Yeah, more fun things that we do at Waterfire. Um, I know that we're waiting to get Chris on the line. Um, but, you know, just as a little bit of background. So the proposal was one thing that we did in uh, Memorial Park. But one of the things that really touched me very very deeply, and I don't know if it was be- it's because I love dogs, um, or more the story was, uh, as many people probably heard, uh, Massachusetts State Trooper Chris K- um, Kosha, who again I've been mentioning now, had a partner, a canine partner named Dante, um, who he had to put down, uh, and he wrote the most lovely, eloquent, beautiful obituary um, that really highlighted, you know, the inseparable bond of police partners to each other, no matter what their species. And he wrote it on a Tuesday and when he had to go put his dog down. And um, within, I think it was maybe two days, over 500,000 hits on social media. And then on top of that, when I was talking to him, he had said like a, within a day or so, the London Daily Mail picked it up, right. and he was saying Croatia picked it up, Australia. So, you know, something so powerfully and beautifully written. Uh, we wanted to share, s- and we wanted to actually do something with him. Um, so what we did in Memorial Park was we actually set up a beautiful picture of Dante, and then we had candle lanterns that were all around um, that had little messages that kind of reflected what Chris had written in this absolutely, again, beautiful obituary, which, by the way, if people would like to see that, they can go to the Facebook page at Waterfire or our Waterfire Ignites Providence Facebook page and click on the link there and absolutely read it. And, and I would hope that everyone would because um certainly brought a tear to my eye. But what we did with the family is we were able to um, set out this great little space, again, with a picture and all these little messages, and then Chris came and did what a lot of people do, Barnaby, which is they write messages and then they pin them on stars. And he went over and he and his entire family paying homage and honor uh, to really what was his partner, uh, his work partner and probably a life partner. You know, he mentioned that his children were only three and one when he started this relationship right. with the yeah. dog. Um, you know, they, they had this beautiful moment. And so, again, it was it was an honor to be part of that. And uh, hopefully we can... We can reach him. Um, he's a state trooper. He might have something bigger and more important that he's doing right now. But um, we can wait on the line a little bit, you know. And well, you know, that, that brings us to the moment of why we created the Celebrate program and also Starry Starry Night. Um, Waterfire is about trying to find that special moment where one can reflect a little bit and uh, encounter the beauty of the night, the beauty of the city, the beauty of the people you're with, the beauty of your fellow residents. 
and find some common ground together and reflect on those things. And uh, we we try to do that with the firelight. We try to do that with the music. We try to do that with the way you can amble about and sit. It's a wonderful place where you find you can talk to strangers and they'll have a, have a sense of communication. But there's also a quality of the communication that happens without talking, mm-hmm. of sitting quietly next to someone. We see people leaning into each other, enjoying the sights and enjoying the place. And that sense of communication that uh, one has is um, the same sort of communication that clearly you could see that um, you know Officer Koshia had with his canine partner Dante. Um, there's a there's a deep sense of communication that doesn't necessarily um, have to do with words, and sometimes that form of communication is extremely extremely deep, and we like to include that and reference that in creating the artwork, Waterfire. And there are many instances of that, uh, as you see the Prometheo with the torches and this idea of one torch lighting another or the volunteers relighting the fire. There's a, um, there's a, you know, there's a capacity for, for connection and for empathy and for beauty that happens that is what we try to do at the heart of the event. Yeah, and, you know, and part of that, as you were saying, it's the ambiance and all the different senses and um, how people are taking those in on an individual basis. But I get asked this question all the time. Barnaby, how do you pick the music? <laughs> or how did you pick the music? You've got libraries and libraries. Um. We do listen to lots of music, and we try to decide whether it'll uh, whether it'll work for Waterfire. And uh, for a while there, it was hard for me to answer that question, but I realized that the easiest way to answer it is it's music that goes straight to your heart. It's music that you may not know, but it doesn't have, it's not entertainment in a shallow, flashy sort of sense. It's music that's got a something that speaks to love and reference and engagement and beauty. And uh, of all cultures, I mean, we do music from Asia to Africa to the Eskimos to Canadians to Native Americans to American folk songs, the, you know, the gospel, soul. There's there's music all over the world. It's one of the characteristics of the human kind, is, uh, how we go about making our culture. And I look for music that just seems entirely honest. And if it gets too overproduced or something, then I'm not sure it'll work. And in fact, speaking of music, at the next lighting, which will be the 28th of this month, so it's just over a week from now, week and a half from now, we're going to do an experiment where we're going to do six songs, and we're going to invite the entire assembled audience to sing them along with us. And we've got choirs from around New England coming, and it's part of a lighting we're doing with the Unitarian Convention, United um, United Universalist, Unitarian Universalist yes. Convention, which is here in Providence. And uh, it'll be an experiment to see if there's another way to build communion among the people there by singing together. And I'm looking forward to that. It'll happen around 915 on Saturday, the June 28th. So will we have the music available online for people to download so that they know the words to? We will have the words online and we will be uh, have it on a little phone app and also you can download it and we'll have it there as well. And the music will be also playing on the speakers so you'll have the guide. And most of them are songs all of you will know, like Amazing Grace and um, By the Rivers of Babylon from the great reggae reggae, that's the Melodians who did it, but things like that. We'll end up with the Beatles. All you need is love. 
Cool. It's That'll be fun. be fun. That's lots of fun. Well, you know, I know that we've been having trouble getting Chris on the line, so maybe um, a little bit down the line in the show we'll be able to reach him. But talking about communicating, um, you know, as you were saying, how we, Chris communicated with Dante, his uh, his dog. We've got one of probably one of Rhode Island's most famous mimes sitting right in the studio with us, Michael Grando, and I'm thinking that maybe it's that's what a great segue because Michael, one, you've been one of the famous characters of Waterfire now for how many years? Oh, it's been about nine years. But I have a question: How do we interview a mime on the radio promenade? Did we think through this through on the Uh-oh. production end? I might be in trouble. Uh, no, I didn't think it through. <laughs> I don't, uh, Michael, I don't, do you have a voice, Michael? I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I, I have a voice. Oh, the voice okay. behind the man. Often silent, but I am here. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Waterfire is uh, an extraordinary event for me also. You know, I um, have been on the stage and um, all of, uh, pretty much all of my adult life is a mime. I've occasionally acted, directed, done other things, but... Uh, 99.9% of the time, I'm silent, and um, uh, it's just one of the most remarkable, uh, intimate experiences. Now, it sounds crazy for me to say it's an intimate experience, but in a certain sense, for me, it's a lot more intimate than being on the stage, in that um, I'm I'm able to move through, if you will, the audience, in a certain sense, and they are totally free to speak to me. I don't reply often unless it's in a mimic gesture or something like that, but um, the proximity of the audience changes from uh, a theater in the round or a theater which is a proscenium to a moving experience Mm -hmm. on the water, and uh, it's archetypally probably a lot older in a certain sense than what uh, I'm used to on the stage. You know, it's there's fire, you're outside. Uh, Absolutely. There's, there's no artificial lighting per se. It's uh, happening in real time. It's, it's happening uh, in real know, time. Yeah. You're right there with folks, and they're free to express themselves to you. And uh, often do, and I can oftentimes either either pretend that I am <laughs> or act that I am just that crazy person. Well, Michael, this is, you know what? We're going to hold that thought sure. because we're going to be right back in a second. We've got to take a quick break. Uh, thank you. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. And welcome back. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelzer, and I am here with Barnaby Evans, the artistic director and creator of Waterfire, and of course our favorite mime uh, and phantom <laughs> boatman, which is Michael Grando, who thank actually you. has decided to break his silence and speak with us today, which is very nice. So um, thank you, Michael. You're very welcome. It's a, a real pleasure to be able to speak um, <laughs> with no one seeing me, that's a good thing, you know. <laughs> uh, I remember that's the exact opposite of what. So <laughs> now we have a disembodied, a disembodied, <laughs> disembodied voice, voice rather than a body that doesn't have a voice. Okay. Well, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, you know, after centuries of of tradition, mime, mime, mime's ancient, 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 before before spoken before language, yeah, very absolutely. old, uh, primogenesis of many things growing out of that. But uh, you know, people may not be familiar with it when they come and see me and. Uh, part of my job as a, a mime is to educate them to what we do and do not do, perhaps. You know, like I don't speak. And 
people want me to speak sometimes, so I have to speak to them gesturally, if that's possible. Mm-hmm. And I was remarking during the break to Bronwyn that um, at times I take my cue from the actions of the audience, and other times I'm completely engrossed in whatever the plot of the moment seems to be for me, but that can change momentarily, and, in, and indeed has to, because uh, you're moving down the water at, I don't know what speed, but you're not in one particular place at a time, and you sort of get to do something, get it going, and you hope that you know, it kind of follows you like a wave down the water with the audience, you know, and I've always discovered that when I came around the bend of the of the river into the, uh, uh, the big circular area by Providence Place Mall, that I would often hear... And ooh, and a ooh come yeah. up from the audience, yeah. you know, because they don't expect someone to be either that close or there or featured, you know, in that sense. And um, I've often felt, too, that there's this connection between the people who are on the shore, uh, perhaps in a vicarious way, feeling themselves in that role. And the everyman Pierrot kind of character that I like to portray likes to involve that spirit of... of um, uh, how should I say it, interchange between myself and individual and all of the folks on the shore. You know, I want to be, I want to be, in a sense, their surrogate on the water, you know, and do the crazy, wonderful things that I get to do and the serious things that I get to Absolutely. do too. And uh, reach out and let them know that there are other beings on the planet who love them and, and care for them and that the uh, whole idea of, of of communicating with them is to make sure that everyone understands that there is more alike between us than different between Absolutely. us. You know? So I, I'm always always energized, even though it's physically taxing some nights. You know, just maintaining your balance <laughs> and sure. being gestural and keeping in the moment. Uh, I'm always energized. It takes me a little while to unwind afterward because the energy that the people bring to the event. It's yeah. phenomenal. You know, it's the same kind of theatrical energy you like to have happen in a theater. Well, it's, it's thousands and thousands, thousands of eyes thousands. focused on you. Well, remarkable. And, and often your dialogue back is through your eyes it and is. through your emotions. So it is. And wonderful intimacy there. Yeah, and trying to make a gesture read as, as far as possible and that it's truthful and yeah. that your feeling is, is committed to that moment. That's, I think, one of the most beautiful interchanges ever you know we get it on the stage but when you get it from 70,000 people it's it's really remarkable it's like being a baseball star in a sense you know well I sometimes think of uh, these Van de Graaff generators that generate this great big spark that just zaps across because you know the first time we introduced you to Waterfire was when Swarovski was here with an international conference and you came out as Harlequino of the Comedia dell'arte. That's right. In That's a costume right. that came from Europe, which was covered with the Swarovski crystals. It was a remarkable costume. It, it was a beautiful costume. That it fit was amazing because it was made for a very svelte, tall European model. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if anybody's seen me on the water and remembers, I'm uh, six feet one and uh, at the moment about 130 pounds. You're svelte. <laughs> <laughs> it fit like a glove, you know. Which was amazing, and it was kind of unisex. You know, Harlequin is that kind of character. Absolutely. And it looked really wonderful, and it's uh, uh, something I will always remember. I have some great photographs of it myself. Well, it, it's not just the costume. You embodied the character, oh, and you. suddenly the the sort of awkwardness of Harlequino and yeah. this whole Commedia dell'arte tradition came alive, and many of the visitors that night were from Europe, and they were just blown away with the water fire, with the providence, with the... With the the idea of the fires and the water and of suddenly having this figure come to life. It was a really wonderful feeling. Um, I think the uh, interesting thing I've learned over the years, I mean, Marceau, my, my mentor. Marcel my, Marceau. Marcel Marceau, yes. The, 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 the person with whom I studied, my, my, my master, my, my mentor, 
and dear friend for many years. Um, well, you know, it's unusual because Marcella and I uh, both said when you when you when you finish a performance, uh, you suddenly become very verbal, <laughs> and we would get together. Either he he seen me perform also, so he would yeah. we would get together afterward. I would see him after his, he after mine when he had the pleasure and the opportunity to see me do it. I hope it was a pleasure for him, but. We, we talked nonstop for hours afterward because, after all, how many times you get to talk to someone who's involved in the same kind of profession, especially one as archetypal and as um, strange, I guess, in a certain way, as uh, being a nonverbal communicator. Um, but um, I, I found that uh, uh, the costume, the costume and the character, um, rather than as an actor uh, and a performer, trying to ride it, I let it ride me. That's that's mm-hmm. something that one learns to do in times. If you find the central core of it and you are harmonious with it and your energy interlocks nicely with it, you know, there's a kind of marriage between yourself and the character and that yeah. character sustains you rather than you having to sustain it. So the more the more into the character you can become, the more the character becomes you. Yeah. And that's yeah. the wonderful part of Waterfire. I start off the evening as myself and uh, as soon as I hit the water, I'm I'm in puro, you know. Oh, and I know that I had the pleasure to um, actually film a movie with you called The Phantom Boatman, which yes. features Waterfire. And well, yes, it does, and it was stimulated. It was it was inspired by my experience at Waterfire. It was ex- inspired by being on the water, seeing the places with the shadows and the light, the chiaroscuro of the moment, and the and the power of the earth and the water, you know, and fire. I mean, we're there with the the basic elements of of of, of the universe and and seeing it from that place and places of light and darkness, I suddenly said, oh my gosh, I'm out of here on the water being this really lovely character. I said, I wonder if there's an equal opposite strange character that may be part and parcel of this that's also part and parcel of my characterizations. And um, at first I thought I was going to write a horror film, but it turned out to be something... It turned out to be something much more beautiful. It was and a love it really story. It turned out to be a love story, <laughs> a, a beautiful love story, you know? Well, you, you know, you taught me something very interesting. I, you have such a craft as, as a mime where I was I was trained as a classical actress, but I, well, poor Barnaby knows, I never shut up. I am always talking. <laughs> so to act across from someone and not be able to speak, I found to be, it, it was a bit daunting. Um, but I think I would love... Where can people see the Phantom Boatman? Well, Phantom Boatman can be viewed on YouTube. It's called Phantom Boatman Final Cut. Uh, just go to YouTube and uh, hit the prompt for, you know, uh, dial it in, whatever you do. Type it in Phantom Boatman Final Cut, and you can have it. It's 11 minutes long. It's not very long. It's got a wonderful score by a wonderful uh, young man named Perrin Cloutier, who's with a band called Beirut, whose parents are both native Rhode Islanders and who was born in Rhode Island. And Perrin resides in New York City now, but it's a, it's a, I hope people enjoy it. It's silent and in black and white. <laughs> it has to be silent. Well, there's, <laughs> there, there's no speaking, but there is a soundtrack. Yes, so, there's so, a soundtrack. So it's again, not, it's a, it's exactly. a, well, it's a lot like Waterfire in that sense, exactly. you know, and a lot like my own performances. My performances are always accompanied by at least some wonderful interlocutory music or music during it, you know. Uh, no sound effects per se, except me pounding the stage once in a while with a foot or something, you know. Mm-hmm. But that 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 play between the 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 bridge between the seen and the unseen music fulfills, you know, is is remarkable for a mime. It's uh, just a really 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 good feeling to be in tune with something that that propels you with energy. And I've always drawn on music as an inspiration for ideas that I wanted to express in theater and mime. Mm-hmm. And I find it to be an unending source of pleasure to be able to extrapolate from the feeling that music provides for the spirit, the soul, and the personality 
to that visual aspect that somehow through some gift of God, and I have no other way of putting it, comes through people who perform in this way. Now, Michael, in, in classical mime, you would not have music. It would be silence, right? It would be mostly silent. Maybe some interlocutory, you know, opening, closing sure. music, but, okay. but not not per se through the whole thing. Because I've noticed in your performances mm-hmm. at Waterfire, you're very sensitive to the music, and there's a there's a synthesis that's happening between the audience, between you, the moment, the wind. You're often with flowers that you're yes. gently tossing to the audience. Well, a, a number of years back, I, I played the Drosselmeyer in the Nutcracker for Festival Ballet of Rhode Island when Winthrop Corey and Christine Hennessy, the founders of the company, were there, and uh, I drew a lot of inspiration from music there and was able to play that character in a mimic way uh, as a dance right. character, and music is the source. Absolutely. You know, it's 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 been such a uh, joy and pleasure to see you on the water all these years, and it was delightful to see you last Saturday. And thank I you. I want to thank you so much for coming in to share your insights and your experience, and there's much joy and wonder you've brought into many people's hearts. My thanks to you, Barnaby for the opportunity and not sure if I should call you Perot or Michael either I'll (laughs) respond to both (laughs) thank you to Bronwyn thank you Michael you're welcome And we are back, and you are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. And, you know, we're delighted. We finally were able to get in touch with our state trooper, Chris Kosha, who we talked about in the whole first segment and the beautiful, beautiful obituary um, that he wrote to his dog, Dante. And uh, we had the honor and privilege of um, celebrating at Waterfire last Saturday. And, uh, Chris, do we have you on the line? Yes, you do. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Hi, Chris. It was great to have you at Waterfire last Saturday, and I understand it was your first time of seeing it. Yes, it was. It was a uh, it was a great, amazing experience. You know the um, that opportunity over there in Starry Story Night, where you did that dedication to Dante, was uh, a, a special moment for everyone who saw it. And I want to thank you for joining us. It it was um, it was it's wonderful, and I just can't say, I can't say enough of uh, how good of a time I had and. Um, you know, I'll, you know, brought up some old emotions as well, you know, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a great time and it was a great remembrance, uh, you know, of my former partner. Well, you know, that's what we were talking about earlier. We just finished a segment with our mime, um, Michael Grando, and talking about that nonverbal communication and that bond that you share between people without words sometimes. And I think, can you tell us a little bit about Dante and really what provoked you to write such an absolutely beautiful, beautiful uh, message and post it on Facebook? Um, you know, I mean, just, you know, every everything I can say was in a letter and it just... Uh, you know, he was just—he was a—he was a great dog. Um, he was a great partner. He—he loved—he loved to work. He loved to be with me. Uh, you know, we were together 70, 80 hours a week between home and work. And um, and what made him—I don't know—maybe made him more special or more—you um, know—that everybody get everybody wanted to get close to him, but um, but they because he was so much a—he uh, was so much a one-person dog. Right and a trained police um, you know, dog as well. He, so he well he was like very he was like very very aloof if you will almost like you know a you know a star or something you know a, a, somebody very very popular that um, you know he was um, 
you know, he was somebody that everybody wanted to be with, everybody wanted to pet, but he just wanted no part of him. Yeah, it was um, you know, you know if I'm if I'm in the same room, you know, when I was in the same room with him, and my wife was there, it was like she was it was like she didn't even exist. But you know, if I wasn't there, you know, he would give he would give attention to my wife and you know go over to her and, and be petted. But if I was in the same room, she'd call him and he just he, it was like she wasn't even there. Well, they, he certainly he certainly loved you very much, and I think that's why it was, it was really special to see you and your entire family um, there on Saturday and be able to experience with you. Um, I would you share what you wrote on the star, or is that asking too much? Um, if I'm not, not exactly enough. sure. I, I was trying to remember everything I wrote, but um, it was something like um, you know because I wanted to write it down so I remembered it, but it was it was like some. Uh, only w- once in a lifetime, a partner like you comes along, um, and then uh, I wrote, uh, you know, that you're a very special dog, and and at the end we have this we have this thing that you know mostly canine handlers use that when a dog's working he's working, but when he's done working, they have an expression called free time, and um, okay, and what so what I wrote at the end was you know free time Dante free time. Well, you know, I yeah. think that the That's one, great. yeah, the cool thing is, is that as I, I told you in your family, that star will go up and that message will be on there, um, on a star hung in the star field for the rest of the water fire season. So that means you need to come back on down and and spend some time with us, Chris. Oh, I know, I I definitely will. You don't, you know, you, you don't know what you're missing until you actually, uh, you actually do it, but. Well, that's what you no, said. You're, I, I, I thought you were coming from somewhere north of Boston, and you were like, no, I'm in Franklin. I'm like, you're right around the corner, and you've never yeah, been to Waterfire. I'm, I'm only a half hour away. I mean, I prefer Providence over Boston any day, actually. Now um, we're talking. Okay. You know, but, um, you know, I, I, I like Providence. I actually went to college for a couple of years in Providence. So, um, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a good town. It's, it's definitely something I will I will definitely be taking you up on that, calling you back to, uh, to come back and know, see my star again and maybe try to get it at the end of the year or something like that. That would be our you know, pleasure. I always want to get, uh, what I, get what I wrote on it, you know, so I can have that and put that in my, uh, I get this big scrapbook of, um, my mother-in-law made, made me a scrapbook, and it basically it has all the articles from around the world, from Croatia to England to Italy, and she printed out all the articles with all the, um, that, all with all the translations, so, um, how that you know that went that literally when they when I say it went worldwide it really it really went worldwide. Well, we had mentioned that earlier, and unfortunately, Chris, we've got to um, jump off the line here because we have our next guest coming on. But I we spoke about Dante in the whole first uh, portion of the show. I know that on our Facebook page we have actually posted and shared what you wrote again because I. I mean, again, it brought me to tears. So I, I'm just grateful that you wrote that. Um, just really warmed my heart. And thank you for letting me be part of the honoring on Saturday. Thank you very much. All right. So I will see you. Thank you, Chris. We look forward to seeing you again. Water fire soon, right? Hey, I'll be there. All right. Bye-bye. Well, you know, our next guest is Brian Meritz, who's the uh, director of the current production of Sam Shepard's play at Trinity Repertory Theater in downtown Providence. And, Brian, I don't know if you're up there yet. I hope you are. I am. I'm on the line. Uh, Brian, I just want to congratulate you. That was a stunning production that you produced of uh, of, a, of a riveting, complicated play by Sam Shepard, but that's maybe the third time I've seen that play, and I was very impressed. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. 
I, I, I love that play. I love the story. I love those characters. And uh, I had a wonderful opportunity to work with a company that I love with a lot of support, um, great team of designers and a wonderful audience, a uh, wonderful room. Uh, it was just like I, I, I just wanted to really do right by that play and give everybody a great ride. Uh, because I do believe that that story is just, it's a great ride. It's, oh, it's I find a, it's it moving and, and funny and human and uh, tragic. And, and tragic, all of those things. Brian, can you give yeah. us a brief synopsis of the, the, the play? We'll, we'll do that once. I just want to remind people that it plays through June 29th. So we are talking about a play that is still at Trinity Repertory, and I would encourage people to go see it. But, uh, Brian, yeah, that's, so Brahman's question is good. It's about uh, it's sort of about the American family and the, the disintegration of the American family. But also I was thinking about how earlier we were talking about with the officer and his communication silently without words to his, to his canine partner. And then Michael Grando, the mime, was talking about communication without words. This is a play that's got many words, but in a certain sense the words aren't necessarily helping with the communication. Well, you know, it, it, it's a remarkable piece of writing, and he's working with so many different metaphors and images in the writing yeah, um, and using repetition a lot. So what you do have is a great opportunity to create images that are at times actually supporting that uh, language, right, right. but also at times disagreeing with it and challenging it. And then um, Beth, uh, Beth's speech herself, Beth, is, this is a play that uh, at its core moment is about uh, an act of domestic violence between Jake and his wife Beth, and they still remain in love, but it sort of rips these families apart. And as a consequence, you have all the different members of the family trying to make sense out of that. Right, and I think that it was an interesting day in the rehearsal process where I was like, oh, I think I have a hunch on, on what was driving the writing of this story in the first place. And because it felt, my feeling was, he's just trying to make sense of a world that hasn't, has ceased to make sense to him. Okay. And so he's, he's, he's trying to, and he's taking uh, an extreme situation, uh, a horrific act uh, or moment of the domestic violence, that happens between uh, two partners and leaves one of them permanently altered for the rest of their life. Um, and, and he's, he's struggling with, with trying to understand how it is that we're in a, in a world where those kinds of things happen, right. where things just flat out don't make any sense. And every one of the characters is, is in that struggle and coming up with their own solutions and their own bizarre ways of handling it. Yeah, often in a fantasy interpretation of their own and the way what they look at, what they don't look at, Jake's relationship with his father uh, and his sister and his brother. It's fa it's a fascinating story. It's, uh, uh, the, the the way uh, um, like you, you give an example of Jake's relationship with his father and the way that story is woven into the language and the moment. You know, for me, it was like I wanted to land that story as a continuous thread in the overall visual storytelling. 
Yeah, and speaking of the overall visuals um, storytelling, I hear the set design was pretty amazing. A, a lot of fans and then what a, a pool here and something else there. Can you explain to me how you came up with that? Well, I, I, I have to say I, I love Eugene Lee, and I love his work, and I love working with him um, because the man is just he's, he's extraordinary. He's a genius, mm-hmm. and he is able to take something very complicated and make it very simple and clear and yet leave it open for uh, other people to get in there and make some work. I mean, I, I went to Eugene with a story about Phragmites mm-hmm. uh, after I had taken a walk out by Bristol at Audubon in the winter, and I was surrounded by those reeds right. blowing in the wind, and the sound of those reeds, I was like, oh, this feels like lie of the mind. I'm right. hearing whispering all around me. Uh, and I, I, I came in and I told him that story, and I told him one other story about a road trip that I took back in the 80s and ended up in a really, really run-down dinosaur neon hotel, motel on Highway 66, and there was a there was a window fan stapled to a screen door. Um, and I just always, I remember that window fan, and I, I was like, that's amazing. Who stapled that window fan to that door? And I think it was from those two conversations that Eugene was like, uh, how, about, how about this? How about a wall of fans? And I was like, well, yes. <laughs> I, I, mean, I the, love that idea. Uh, the central uh, uh, design element you see is this wall of fans, but there's also the line in the play about what we need is a clean wind. I can't remember the exact words. I'm sure, Brian, you remember to to blow uh, through our lives or something like that. Yeah, one of those hot desert winds, pure, yeah. pure blue. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that when that line comes in, you immediately it all ties together. And of course, this is uh, uh, with a fair amount of Sam Shepard plays. He's very interested in music, and uh, I thought what you did with the music here with Philip Roebuck was just uh, Philip worked so well. And I, 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 just another note: everyone's always on the stage, right? Yeah, so much. so even when as the action moves from person to person within the story, you still have people acting out portions of their of their lives or their fantasies, and uh, sometimes they're joining Philip. But I thought Philip's work was was brilliant, and I thought it was so well integrated into the overall approach. Can you tell me how you worked with Philip? Well, I've I've known Philip for a long time, uh, and we've collaborated on numerous projects and. Uh, I think the key was me saying to Trinity Rep, uh, wow, if we're going to do Lie of the Mind, uh, we'd be best served if we could get Phil, Philip Roebuck to come to town for two months and to, to have him in rehearsal with me every day. Yeah, it shows. Because with that, we can actually craft something that is totally specific and, and genuine to every single moment. And uh, Phil came in and just worked in the room with us every day. Uh, making offerings and really just working for himself. I mean, I he's he's a remarkable uh, artist, uh, one of my favorite collaborators uh, to work with. I, I love working with him, and uh, when I get a chance to work with someone like that, it's 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 often that I really don't have to say anything. <laughs> well, you, I, just, you, you could I can see- just sit and say yes, that's fantastic. 
Well, the synergy showed in a beautiful way, and uh, uh, Philip was using all sorts of different references. Philip Roebuck, uh, there was sort of country western, but he was also making sound effects and the sound of the wind. It was uh, it really it was a piece of theater that I was very impressed with. And you have uh, Janice Duclos and uh, Anna Scaria and Tim Crow, we've known for a long time, as well as Rebecca Gibble of, of the Trinity Company, uh, all of whom, uh, every actor was superb in this. And, and Charlie Thurston, who is just a remarkable actor. You know, I'm so happy that he is, you know, in pro- staying in Providence and working with Trinity. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a stunning group of actors. Yeah, and, then the, and then you the, had the MFA students who were equally, everyone with, you know, Billy and Britt and uh, Benjamin Grills really worked well. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that yeah. I was noticing, um, which I congratulate you on, is that also, as people um, can be aware of this, when they buy tickets for the show, um, Trinity is doing a really beautiful thing here and in an effort to raise awareness about domestic abuse, uh, of course, the, a major theme in this play. Trinity has partnered with um, Sisters Overcoming Abusive Relationships in the Sojourner House. So um, what what is it that you're doing? You're hosting a used cell phone drive to benefit they these are, two they groups? They are collecting cell phones to uh, make them available for folks that need them. Though so, that's just That's wonderful. That's, that's really great. Brian, we I mean, just there's, have a, a there's a deep thread that I actually start with right away in the telling of the story, and there's behavior that uh, Becky is doing in the foreground with a suitcase and water bottles. Right. She's basically packing that yeah, bag. Exactly. Um, and uh, she moves to that story, and that she eventually drops into Sally's story, but it's also Sally's story. But it is a woman without shelter um, moving through. Moving through and carrying the heavy weight of that with her everywhere. Yes. I yep. want to leave time just to give the phone number for the box office. It's uh, uh, 401-351-4242, and also dot com is the website. I strongly recommend this play. It's playing through June 29th. Brian, I think you did an absolutely wonderful job with it. And I've also really enjoyed the things you've been doing with the collaboration with Brown, and uh, those have been a long series that are worth seeing. So, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you so much, it. Brian. And you know, Barnaby, what a great show. And I, I want to thank all of our listeners today that have been out there. Michael Grando, thank you. Um, definitely, State Trooper Chris Kosha. We will be here every Wednesday with you from 3 to 4, giving you a little bit more information about Water Fire. And remember, Water Fire ignites Rhode Island. Thank you all. Great to talk to you. See you next week. And thank you, Michael. Welcome.